We're in an entering week four of our study that we've called The Question. It's Monday, January 24th. As we enter this week, um, we have our work cut out for us. Our teacher has been hunting for the meaning of life, and this search has been thorough, but he is not finished. In our section of the text today, he takes up the question of money. Can wealth fill the hole in our hearts? Can it give us life, keep us safe, make us happy, give us joy? Now, that's a tall order to fill. This is one of the most important discussions for those that follow Jesus. Here's why. Well, first, Jesus spoke more about money than he did any other topic except for the kingdom of God. Think about all the ways money appears in his teaching. There's the story in the Gospels that relates of the widow's might. It tells us that one day Jesus was sitting at the temple watching the offerings that the people were giving. Then there's the story of the rich young ruler, the man that refused to walk away from his money to follow Jesus. And don't forget the brothers that come to Jesus. One of them expects a bigger share of the family estate. Before we go any further, we want to listen to our teacher share what he sees happening under the sun. Here's the first little section. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 8 to 10. If you see the poor oppressed in a district and justice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things. For one official is eyed by a higher one, and over them both are others higher still. The increase from the land is taken by all. The king himself profits from the fields. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. Now notice what concerns our teacher. It's money and the way it works in our world, and it just doesn't make sense. First, for example, our teacher talks about the oppression of the poor. Think about how people are treated in relation to their perceived wealth. Today, the poor pay higher insurance rates, get less able legal counsel, pay more for many services, and they're generally treated differently than the rich. If you are poor, you don't have access to the same quality of medical care or the same schools for your children. Our teacher say, says that we shouldn't be surprised by this at all. I remember a man who lived in the Philippines who related to me how his neighbor won in a local election and in a few short months had a completely different life. New house, new wardrobe, new future. His new position gave him leverage he'd never had before, and now he was cashing in. To our teacher, this is all meaningless. He also thinks of it like this. You're struggling financially, and you get a raise. What you don't realize is that this bit of good news is not as good as you think. You've just gotten bumped into a new and higher tax bracket, and now you must give even more of your earnings to the government. You get the feeling <laughs> you just cannot win. He says that if you come to love money, well, then you're really in trouble. In the pursuit of it, your own heart is taken captive. It comes to drive your life rather than God. Jesus called the love of money idolatry. 
He spoke very directly about serving our money rather than serving the Lord like one would serve a rival deity. Yes, this is the idolatry of money in our lives. And this leads to futility and emptiness. Now, I understand these words may be difficult for us to swallow. We see that money can make our lives a little easier. But it, but it can't solve all our problems. He says that the problem is that the person that loves money never has enough. In many ways, we can see this too. How many of our problems do you think would be solved if you had just a little more money? And because we feel this is so, we almost always have our eyes on money. Soon enough, it becomes the primary driver of our lives. I remember getting to know a very wealthy man some years ago. He was bedridden, and his bed was positioned in front of an immense TV screen. This was before large TV screens were common to see. The ticker tape from the stock market seemed to be streaming across the screen at all times, and I soon realized that I could know this man's attitude and level of happiness by seeing what the stock market was doing. If the market was up, he'd be happy and talkative. If it was going down, he would also be down and discouraged. Our teacher says that this is meaningless and a chasing after the wind. This is a good place for us to start this week. Are you satisfied with what you have? Or do you always seem to be wanting more? It was greed, among other things, that put Jesus on the cross. Judas sold out Jesus for just a few pieces of silver, trading the life of the Son of God for just a little bit larger bank account. Our teacher would tell us, that's not a good trade, and money is not a good God. It always keeps us afraid of losing what we have and hankering for even more. But Jesus went to the cross to free us from bondage to that, to that which cannot save us, and to give us an inheritance that can never foil, spoil, or fade. Let's pray. Almighty God, creator and sustainer of all things, we seek to gain the world, and in the process we can lose our very souls. Your love is better than life. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise, Thou mine inheritance now and always, Thou and Thou only, first in my heart, High King of heaven, my treasure, Thou art. Amen.